0: And welcome to the Dicer Screaming Podcast. I'm Randy. I am Mike. And we are, together, the two-headed literary gaming etin of gaming podcasts. And here we are, presenting you with a new Post 250, well, working on our 300th episode. So, yeah, today we're going to be covering the Iron Gods.
1: So, yeah, yeah,
0: as promised, we're coming to you with actual content this time and this is the last of our series of the kind of science fiction fusion and but you can expect no less from oh, well, <laughs> you do us too much credit with the
1: the two-headed literary eden of gaming podcasts. No, no, we are but the 80s soap opera plot of gaming podcasts. What? Yeah, look out for that evil weather machine. Oh boy. <laughs> Uh General Hospital. Nobody? Nobody? Oh. Uh, <laughs> evil uh, machine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a thing. It happened. Look it up.
0: <laughs> but oh, that's us. That's us. Yeah. You know, we got consistency. We're hey, tired we're, old trope, but we'll roll it out one more time. We're here every week,
1: but quality is not necessarily assured. <laughs> yep. So as
0: promised, Iron Gods. Uh, Wait till you meet our evil twin. Oh, wow. It was in a there coma. Yeah, that was. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Iron Guys, we're going to be covering that, the Path on your Adventure Pass, but uh, so stick around for that. But before we get into that, we have an augury to make. So, what does the auguries portend for the future?
1: Oh, oh the Druromancer is weary. Uh, this is this is the last week for the Druromancer, okay? Uh, uh, the anemia is really taking hold, okay? <laughs> I've been bleeding like a Russian princess for this racket. So, or oh. um, <laughs> a Russian colonel. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, did that again. Second time, still good, easy. still, still good. funny, still good. Still good. Still good. Uh, <clears throat> okay, one more round for the Druromancer. <sighs> then we'll we'll learn about our new form of divination next week. All right, stick around uh, for that. Gazing into the spatter of blood and divining from the pattern of the falling droplets. Next week, we're looking at the changing atmosphere of game availability in the 21st century, like drive through RPG, mm. PDFs, uh, vintage and new texts, print-on-demand. Wow. The rapid evolution that has come into the world of gaming and has made available variety... Uh, and creativity that honestly we haven't seen in any era prior okay we we had creativity but it was difficult for the end user
0: to access yeah they, i think it, it compares you make a good point that like the fanzine era that a lot of people yeah cling to back in the early 70s hard uh, to get
1: yeah, it was hard to them.
0: find yeah it was hard to find and if you knew where to look of course you could find it but you had to be in the nose so yeah. Um, and what a blessed era we live in now. Yeah, the, print on demand. I mean, that's, that's, that's the best way to get the stuff in your hands.
1: So we're going to tear those apart. We're going to take a look at all at, as many facets as we can squeeze in and reference as many new venues that people can make use of because it would be nice to get their names out there. Obviously, a lot of the listeners already know about the big ones like Drive Through RPG, but we'll try to mention as much as we can and cross-reference some... Uh, like a little historical uh, perspective on like, hey, here's what it was like 35, 45 years ago trying to find a game that you thought was interesting versus welcome to today, which this is something that I think we can all agree the world has come a huge leap forward uh, and done us all a real solid. So look forward to that next week. And- right? That's the last of the druromancer. okay? I'm bandaging this
0: up. going to wait for these wounds to heal. Sheesh. Yeah. No well, more well, blood that's squatter. A lot, of, a lot of spilled blood. All right. <sighs> well, thanks for your sacrifice, Mike. It's <sighs> a sacrifice I was willing to make on your man. That's what we do here <laughs> at the Dice Screen Podcast. We literally bleed for you. All right. Well, at least, Mike, I bleed for you. Uh, so, yeah, well, last week, uh, dust settles on that, huh? <laughs> episode 250 you know as i said we're in the post 250 episode 251 here uh yeah so we had some call in so i guess we'll get to the call-ins. we have jason coming in first and a call in from joe and then uh we'll get right into it afterwards so if you're tired of hearing about this uh just skip right past it and go into our uh, review we will um, make it mercifully swift <laughs> yeah, yeah we will. but uh we're gonna get right into it so take it away jason
2: Hey guys, Jason here. Just want to say I really enjoyed episode 250. Well, really enjoyed. I mean, 250 couldn't have been a fun episode to record, and it's not necessarily a fun episode to listen to because nobody wants to hear about ass clowns, right? But that said, you know, in the end, it's a positive thing because we have more and more positive people in the OSR. And I think there always were a lot of positive people in the OSR. It's just the squeaky wheels happen to be some of these bad actors and now more and more people are speaking up and taking it back. Right. So I I think in the end, it's a good thing. And I'm glad you, you know, you guys haven't given up on the OSR and, you know, cause there are a he- heck of a lot of good people in it, as you mentioned, you know, so good stuff. And I look forward to the future shows. Take care.
0: What's up, boys? It's been a long time since I've sent in a message, but I'm always out
2: here listening.
0: I just wanted to say that I really appreciated your fear and loathing in the OSR episode. Now, you might get some pushback by people saying, oh, it's just a few bad apples, but it's not, right? It's the loudest voices in that community. It's the most influential voices in that community. It's the voices with the biggest following in that community that act this way. So, you know, I'm not saying everyone who plays old school games is an asshole, not by a long shot, but the large, the biggest voices in that community are. And so, yeah, do with that what you may. I thought you guys did a great job anyway. Peace out. All right. Hey, thanks Jason. And thanks Joe. It's always good to hear from you guys. And yeah, yeah. Sorry. It was such a bad topic, but thanks a lot. Uh, Jason, for understanding that uh, we don't like to talk about it, but we have to shine a light on some of these guys. And I, I think you're absolutely right that there's a lot of, there's some bad actors, not a lot of them, but they are loud voices like Joe said. And yeah, there shining was, a light on them is important so that we understand what's going on out there. They're like those, you know, critters on the
1: nature channel that like, you know, they, they puff up to like four times their size to look bigger and more threatening than they are. Uh, they create this impression on the internet that you know we are the most important voices in no they're not uh they're not even close like they're they're the you know swamp frog that is of no actual account or danger or relevance but they they occupy a lot of freaking space so yeah it, it was not a fun episode to do it was more like a necessary surgical response like let's just lay this stuff out you know, like lance the wound, drain the pus out, and then uh, you know, bandages up the best we can. But I gotta concur on the like the overwhelming majority of people who are like old school gamers and love old school material. A lot of really fantastic people out there who are just equally exhausted <laughs> of living with like the the looming specter of being compared to these, you know, really questionable characters you know it's not fun for any of us i think yeah uh, i have great empathy for the other people who are out there trying to it's like old school gamers are taking ownership of their own house like we got to sweep our house clean and say like this is not us this is not who we are this is not what we're about these are people who came from outside with an agenda of their own and you know, they, they do not share our goals, our interests, or they're certainly not interested in the well-being of gaming as a whole. Uh, they're here to grab hold of as much value as they can extract uh, from our community. And, you know, they're not delivering anything back
0: to it. Right. I think it's telling, like with uh, Wizard Tower Games uh, and also Table Top tap room doing their investigations, as well as uh, the lawsuit that uh, was threatened in uh, Justin Lanasse's direction uh, for his attacks on uh, Don's uh, departed daughter, and th- that's just what we come to. These guys, these guys at the new TSR, they they way overestimated the amount of support that they could generate, and they got pushback from everybody because they made these cardinals in of assuming that everybody was behind them, tired of Wizards of the Coast, because you hear a lot in the OSR. uh, There's a lot of kvetching and back sassing about how these progressive things are ruining the game or they don't like the direction they go in. And they think that is a market that they can enter in because it's turning out that the whole thing with the new TSR was just a IP squat scam. They're there to take the IP. And get a settlement and run off and they thought they would have a lot more support than they did
1: well and, and honestly as speedily as possible I, I would like to dispel the rumor i mean one at some point in the distant future we will cover uh historic precedent uh for things appearing in gaming that apparently now if any of those any such things appear in gaming today they're the Indication of some terrifying new trend that has never ever been seen under the sun before, and that's just a falsehood. Okay, gaming was literally chock full of both characters and persons and concepts that, uh, frankly, were not staid traditional roles and all of that. Uh, The the world of fantasy and science fiction were full of concepts that would now be considered uh, some kind of you know offensive. Uh, agenda and the truth is these things were always there they were always there and it is nothing but a revisionist lie to contend that like oh this didn't exist until now no absolutely untrue now are things handled more tastefully and a little more openly are they less alluded to and just like put right out on the table in front of everybody yes they are Uh, and my second point would be does that do anything to harm gaming not even a little. Yeah. yeah. And doesn't doesn't more to the point.
0: Them. Um, you know, uh played a elf fighter match you're back in the day and <laughs> you took a lot of ribbing over there. Yeah. That. Your God, you know, the what gender is he? Well, we don't know. Okay, uh Corona David Bowie. Okay. We just
1: <laughs> Yeah, can we get over that? Leave me alone. <laughs> That's it. All right, you know, and, and I'm going to confess something. All right, it's not going to put everybody in the best light, but it was, uh, you know, a group, a table of 14 year olds. All right, and under that particular circumstance, things were said like, "Oh, elves, you know, what gender is it? I don't know. Lift the tail and check." So, <laughs> that that got said a lot in a very junior high locker room, immature kind of way, and. As wildly appropriate or inappropriate as I look back on that being, uh, the fact remains that that was a conversation that was happening. That was a thing that was like up for discussion. It was generally understood that the actual text of the game had indicated that Karel and Larethian and several of the other Elven gods, like Lavalos, Senareeth and others, they didn't have a specific gender. They could be either or appear as whatever they chose that was already out there. And, you know, like, I, it's not like we were reading that then and went, Oh, Mindy equals blown. I, I think the core difference is that, uh, <clears throat> we weren't easily triggered snowflakes in those days. Unlike the, the new social, yeah. the new social agenda people of today. Uh, yeah. all must move back towards traditional conformist values. You know, uh, in order for the glorification of the state yeah, just, all right walk it back creepazoid um you know just just chill man yeah it's a freaking game people write fiction and science fiction well, and all well, of it is weird and sometimes well. off-putting and if you didn't notice any of it being weird and off-putting over the
0: last 40 odd years then you weren't paying attention or you just weren't there <laughs>
2: right.
0: and if you weren't there hey we're helping you learn a little bit about it hopefully we'll give you some pointers on where it started where it came from and how it went. And yeah, sometimes it wasn't an easy fit for a lot of people, but, uh, I just, I think that as some people try to close the book on this and move on, I think it is important to move on, but I also think it's time to hold people accountable for what they did. Vince, uh, I agree with, uh, Dave Nighthawk, uh, where he says that, uh, Vince, the evil DM knew who he was dealing with and now wants, to be you know forgiven and I can look at that you know what I'm
1: not going to be hostile to the guy for like suddenly deciding look I have to get out of this you know but I I can't he he made so many
0: transphobic and anti-woke videos along the way highlighting some people like just Jim Despero Grim Jim Pizza Cutter all edge no point (laughs) yeah Uh, Avengers Satanis, and all these other guys to wander under mouth. Hey, great, great on you. That's your right. That's what you want to do. What's your gaming thing? But uh,
1: hey, man, and like uh, I stand by what I said, which is, you know, free speech is free speech. Uh, if you're not in jail, you have free speech. Uh, you know, so but it's I, not consequence you're, free. You're not going to hear me announce that people should be like, I right. should oh, all yeah, be arrested. For that. No, I stand by what I said on that. However, there is no such thing as consequence free speech. You can say something stupid enough that people turn away from you in disgust and just walk off. And guess what? Like that's when a comedian gets no laughs, they suck as a comedian and they have to go rewrite and find new jokes. Uh, You sharpen your skills. You come back, you read the room and you deliver what entertains. Uh, So tough break guys.
0: Yeah. So, well, that'll, uh, that pretty much does it. We think, uh, Jason, Joe, for you guys, uh, and your yeah. support really good. We didn't really you. get a lot. I got a lot of love for that, and um, I'm just happy that a lot of the guys in the OSR are starting to finally wake up. And what our point is is not when we on episode 200 kind of walked away from the OSR. It wasn't like, as we said in that episode, we're not turning our back on it. We're just not being associated with it. That is being revised currently because I think people are starting to realize if you have an atmosphere where. You kind of tolerate this kind of outrage behavior. These are the people who will come in. Just the Justin Lanasas and Dave Johnson's of the world didn't just come here because of accident. They came here for a calculated purpose. They saw this as an atmosphere rife and ripe for their type of politics and behavior. And it's all a grift to them. They're not, nobody has received as of yet, as uh, I understand from Tenkar, Tenkar's Tavern. No one has received a Cult of Abaddon in the mail. No one has received Dungeon Crawl, the board game. They're not a publishing company. They are a scam, and they need to be called out to that. And that bright light that was focused on them was responsible for them getting called out and a lot of this analysis and of their behavior and their plans coming to fruition. So we have to be vigilant, but i think it's also time to move on so yeah time don't...
1: to also be optimistic about uh, yeah i think the that there's a good, lot of good it. things and i think this is a good direction from you
0: yeah so, the good are fighting back yeah. all right the well, best the cream always rises that's true so. so all right well we thank everybody for putting up with that and uh, that's our closure to 250 so thanks a lot and uh, we'll be right back with our iron gods review so yeah, yeah. right. And we're back. So yeah, we uh, cleared out the valves for that one. Now we're back here to talk about a real topic. So you probably appreciate that. So we're talking about Pathfinder Adventure Path number 89. Sorry, 80. Oh, no, no, no. Way off. Yeah. Got them way out of order here. So yeah, we're talking about 85 to 90. So there we go. Got them in order this time.
1: Yeah. So So this time I took extra care. To make sure that, like, it, we had a previous failure where we had the modules out of order yeah, as we discussed no, no. Uh, But this time they
0: are in there correct. Right failure. on. So I got you here. So 85 through 90, uh, six modules, um, each one its own kind of thing. You can play it as a one off. So we're going to start off by just giving you a spoiler alert because this is still fresh. So if you're going to plan on playing Fires of Creation, this is not super To new. the Divinity of uh, Drive but it is newer product of Pathfinder. Yeah, so. so if you're planning on playing this or you're planning on uh, your GM running it through this sometime soon, uh, give this one a pass and move to one of our older podcasts or some of our newer ones when we can. Yeah. Now, so, all right.
1: But if if you're not planning uh, to play this, but you do play Pathfinder, you should consider it, uh, especially for the DMs, because this is a, a rather unique one. It's a fitting close to our fusions of fantasy and science fiction chapter that we've had these last few uh, podcasts.
0: Yeah, so this one is completely unapologetic. There is no spoiler alert uh, that, oh, there's going to be laser guns and chain swords and all that stuff in here. Nope. This is one where you can roll out everything, even having players play robots or androids. And I would recommend, I ran this one, and it got us to levels 1 through 18. So this was getting us real close to that final levels. I could have pushed it to 20, but we were kind of running long in the tooth on this one and we wanted to move on to some other things at the time. So we did end it up at 18th level, but I could have easily gotten us gotten a party to 20th level. That said, uh, this starts out uh, pretty low key. So rather than take each one apart and kind of mesh it, we're gonna talk about the campaign in broad strokes, and then we're gonna come back to some points that we wanna make. Um, The meta of this one is that there is a triune deity and there is a nascent goddess of androids who has recently gotten a divine spark. And so she is gathering androids to her across the lands. And also another goddess of invention and more kind of steampunky called uh, Bri. And she is also a factor in this triune deity that will actually transfer to the Starfinder campaign setting. And then finally Unity, which is a... Kind of an evil, but uh, amor- more amoral. It just ends up being evil by default, but it's amoral soulless computer uh, artificial intelligence that has found and is constructing a way to make itself into a god. And so all three of these uh, entities will clash during this entire campaign arc. So the players start with a, uh, in the fires of creation, you're going to start off nominally at first level as, in Numeria. And Ameria, for those who don't know, is kind of like a sci-fi steampunk uh, Gamma World mashup area. Because there's mutants, there's uh, a crashed spaceship. I mean, it's huge.
1: Yeah, uh, they've been careful to prepare an area in which the Iron Gods campaign can take place without massive automatic disruption of an otherwise static, traditional fantasy-based Pathfinder campaign. So I, I respect their choice on that. And they also rip the Band-Aid off even in the first module. They are very clear about the fact that, like, this is going to go full hand, okay? There are going to be laser pistols and androids and robots, like, coming out your wazoo. Uh, and the players will be able to get their hands on these things, uh, you know, interesting items uh, to make use of. And that that is, this
0: campaign is built to accommodate that and to still provide terrific challenges, yeah, so, and it also strays a little bit into Lovecraftian in the Valley of the Brain Eaters. and Oh, Zalu. yeah, that one still gives me a shudder. I've, yep. I've had a peek at that, and it's not pretty. That's pretty good. Um, but, but also incorporated in this is the Black Sovereign, which is a bunch of techno-barbarians who kind of drink some of the fluids from the spaceship, and it gives sometimes great powers or horrible mutations, you guess. <laughs> kind of like the Potion Missibility Table turned up to 11. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, the Black Sovereign is a barbarian chieftain, uh, nominally uh, by right of combat, who is the head of this and uh, or watches over the ruins of the spaceship, which then they, you, the players will find is a pawn of the Technic League, a group of technomancers, yes, wizards who are obsessed with technology, controlling it in all of its forms, and so they take this great campaign setting and they really dig into it. Yeah, at the root of this is. An enormous fallen craft. Okay, Yep, it crashed uh, thousands of years ago, and it's been unearthed recently. And the result
1: of uh, the peoples of Numeria nearby this crash having interaction with it is that this is now a part of their everyday lives. That there are technical items, and the Technic League, of course, tries to maintain a you know serious Not a lock. Rip. Yeah. They want to have a nice monopolistic lock on the trade and availability of these items and to prevent them from, you know, basically, you know, uh, oh, passing out of their area, their sphere of influence. Yeah. So uh, the tools are there to retain relative control over how much this impacts the rest of your campaign world. Uh, and this, of course, is a six module set played to completion. So these characters... You know, can have this adventure all within the, the sphere of, uh, you know, one campaign arc. And then, of course, you can <clears throat> begin a new campaign without this having altered your regular Pathfinder experience.
0: Yeah, the ascension of the new Got goddess, uh, which is the Triune, and uh, transfers, of course, over to Starfinder, as I mentioned before. That does impact the campaign world, but not as much. It basically allows Androids to wander around a little further afield. So if you didn't have Android player characters before and after this module, people had watched somebody play one or had encountered some of the NPCs inside and said, you know what? I want to have that kind of player character experience. Now this is an option for you, which I think is pretty well done. It's kind of unlocking a race if you want to look at it from that point of view. But I also think played... Full frontal, like having a robot and a android with this is pretty fun. And um, the because this campaign, if you play a robot like going into a normal medieval world, what's going to happen? People are going to think it's a guy in a suit or a wandering person. If you remember the old Snarf quest with EV.
1: oh yeah,
0: yeah, people thought he was a short knight.
1: Yeah, it's like a gnome in, in a funky looking set of magic plate mail.
0: Yeah, that's how yeah. people did it I and mean, you could definitely play off of that. But this one they understand people here are kind of used to machines. Now, most machines they meet are malfunctioning or severely uh, altered in some way. Their programming is alien to this environment.
1: But the people have learned to cope with it by recognizing cues, okay? The right. the, the interaction level, the peaceful contact versus the erratic behavior They're like, "Uh-oh, I think attack is about to, is going to be imminent," you know. They've developed a sense of equilibrium with this. So, uh, you know, there's no shock value to, oh, no, what is that creature? No, no, you can you can lower your guard a little bit. This campaign is built to accommodate this, and it is anticipated
0: for people to encounter it expertly. Yeah. So it hits about three big parts here, fitting with the Triune. The, there's three kind of meta plots that are going on, as we discussed with the Technic League and the Black Sovereign. The Black Sovereign is basically a tool of the Technic League, and they have complete control. And some of his court, and specifically his mate, does not like the Technic League having such control over her husband. And uh, there's that wrestling. And then there's also the factors that some unknown things, some darker things from beyond the veil, which is code in Pathfinder for Lovecraftian mythos, Just slipping, (laughs) and that's also making its presence known here. Yeah,
1: extraplanar powers of various. that even demons and devils like we don't like those things. Yeah, they creep me out. Yeah, gross. Uh, But uh, the the point being that other things have taken notice of the goings on in this region. The the spark of divinity, the the rise of potential new gods, the you know disruptive technology. The rest of the universe is not one hundred percent unaware. You know, word gets out about these things. So, yeah, there are more players at stake than the players initially may realize.
0: Yeah, and although Unity is the primary villain, pretty much unseen. Although um, they do a very good job in this one of making its presence known, through it has several avatars. It will inhabit certain bosses, if you want to use the yeah. common nomenclature, but certain key monsters and robots, it will inhabit and directly confront the players and test them and learn what their abilities are.
1: Right up until it runs into its old boyfriend Rick and spends oh, the God. weekend, you know, snorting uh, space crystals out of a laser hookah. No, I'm kidding. Thank hey, you. Yeah, I, I didn't know it. Uh, I
0: had to do the Unity reference. And so, there's also uh, some amazing artwork. Uh, Wayne Reynolds does a fantastic job on all these covers. And, uh, oh yeah. I mean, I just, <laughs> we're just going to break it down a little bit here. <laughs> The Lords of Rust is my favorite because that's the most Mad Max barter town adventure in there. So if you've always, <laughs> Nick Logue does a great job in bringing to uh, the area called Rust. Since he started in Torch, which is kind of a technical area, somewhat. I mean, it's got a big uh, technique laser forge in the middle of it and people use it to burn the star metal and melt it down into useful items. So I thought that was kind of clever.
1: Yeah, the alloyed metal that...
0: Uh... Yeah, they call it the no star metal, but, you know, yeah, Duraloy or Unobtainium, whatever, you know. However you choose to name it, uh, it
1: makes pretty awesome weapons if you've got a forge hot enough to melt it.
0: Yeah, so a lot of characters with item creation feats, this is a good one. Uh, Priest of Bri would definitely go well in this adventure. And, of course, uh, there are a lot of good NPCs. There's always a, a ton of NPCs that end up falling off on the wayside. But this one, I think they did a good job of, in this adventure path, of making them integral so you would revisit them again and again. Yeah. I love the illustrations
1: with the uh, chainsaw swords.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, those are looking that pretty
0: awesome. That chainsaw ended up uh, going all the way to the end of the campaign.
1: Oh, sweet.
0: Oh, yeah. The magical chainsaw, <laughs> And that's the fusion we're talking about here. Yeah, you will find plus three brilliant energy laser rifles, as if that wasn't already a thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, if it wasn't bad enough that you have a I have a laser blaster, well, welcome to getting some magic cast onto your laser blaster to soup that bad boy up a little more. But wait, there's, there's more. more. Yeah, it's just slap chop. Um, uh, it is that kind of game. And yeah. it's what really makes this stand apart from like I think almost any other. Pathfinder campaign ever. I, I would say um,
0: uh, Shackle, Skull and Shackles is really well done with the NPCs because they show up over and over again. And oh, they just put you right in the mood of piratical buccaneering, swashbuckling epics. And we
1: really do need to cover that one. I, I would like to pause for a moment and say that like someday, off in the distant future, when we, we've had a little time away someday. from this one, Skull and Shackles will be brought up as one of the great nautical piratical campaigns. Uh, that ever and it's a Pathfinder product much like this but this ah, wow now the
0: choking tower is one of those ones where it gets a little obtruse in one of my complaints about Pathfinder is is that there are so many templates and optimizations that can be put onto a, a character or a monster to make it unique and different this one, for me, the challenge was um, the ghost, the techno ghost. I mean, a space g- 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 ghost.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, Am I going to have to get you a Scooby snack?
0: Yeah. I just can get in there and fight. The Choking Tower Dungeon, as you can definitely tell, it's a hazardous place. But uh, Furcus Zhao, the male ghost wizard technomancer, one of the hardest encounters I have ever personally run. It taxed me to my ends limits, and to be honest, I'm not even sure I got it right. Uh, it Ghosts are hard to run in the first place and adjudicate put on a wizard with a prestige class, and I found myself looking through three different books. But even with preparation aside and writing down notes, I still found myself just kind of like, this was a little too complex. And And honestly,
1: I I do believe that that's part of the reason that uh, Pathfinder finally, I mean, after a fantastic run, they did eventually create their second edition. Yeah, I I definitely
0: see that this wouldn't clarify. It was just, it wasn't like, oh, I, you know, I have a huge Pathfinder library, so it wasn't hard for me to find these sources. And to be honest, they were very easy to find. There is a guide there, the technology guide. If you're going to run this adventure path, it's a must-have. You either get the PDF or get your hands on a copy, whatever you got. Yeah. This one, if you don't have the technology guide, you're going to be a little hamstrung. But they give you enough to run it as is, which is a good nod. But to get the pull Monty effect, you need the technology guide with this one. But that one was a little harder than it should have been. And I don't fault any of the writer or the narration, but it is something that if you're going to run that. Adventure in the Choking Tower. Not only the environment itself, it, you can guess what's happening with the Choking Tower. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> spoiler alert, it's it toxic gas. Um <laughs> But here you go. Uh, here it is, and it's full of unliving creatures. So robots, ghosts, undead, it, the whole nine well, yards. I do want to do a,
1: like, although we're not doing a traditional linear pick apart, uh, we're doing a big... Big picture concept driven thing, uh, and discussion. I, I do want to take a moment out to give at least a linear explanation sure. of titles and a little uh, tribute to the authors. Uh, we the very first one is Fires of Creation by Neil Spicer, you yep. uh, starting in the little town of Torch.
0: Uh, the second is Lords of Rust by Nicholas Logue, which uh, just is more like uh, a little bit more tuned up Mad Max Thunderdome. Uh, the Choking Tower by Ron Lundeen. Yeah, a lot of good NPCs still outside, and a lot of a wilderness adventure to get there. So, uh,
1: the love, very Lovecraftian influenced Valley of the Brain Collectors oh. by Mike Shell.
0: Spoiler alert: There's a lot of uh, Negsalu. Yeah. <laughs> a lot alert. of them. There's a brain collector. So, <laughs> more than
1: one. Um,
0: <laughs> the Palace of Fallen Stars by Tim Hitchcock. Can I, if I can just stop you there? One yeah. of the big things on that one was um, up to then there's been a lot of interaction with NPCs who aren't out there to screw you over there. There's a lot of good help in this and a lot of NPCs that you're going to want to revisit and characters fall in love with and have good dealings with. Nonetheless, this one is a hard one to play because you transition off of this one where the NPCs are almost all against you, except for a few. So this means political intrigue. So this, even though you think you're going to be dealing with barbarians, it's barbarian palace intrigue. Oh sure. And so that can be a little bit of a hard, like, not to go on thirteenth uh, war you on
1: you, thirteenth warrior on you. But like, there's a yep. moment there where you realize that just because a culture is not the traditional familiar form of civilization doesn't mean that there are subtleties and intricacies to the way in
0: which they negotiate power. And oh, exactly. That's this, a good point to bring up. Yeah. This that's is, that's the, how I played it. And that they have their own kind of ways of doing things. But just because they're different than everybody else, there's sometimes a little bit more trial by combat, trial by stone. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's a lot of that. But there's also a lot of how you set it up. <laughs> now we must think of what he can The Chamberlain should have known that the guy who spent all his career fighting and cleaving down gulpings would probably be the one to hew the biggest piece off of the stone. <laughs> huh.
1: Gosh. Huh. Well, and that takes us to the final module. The sixth is The Divinity Drive by Crystal Frazier.
0: Yeah, Crystal Frazier does a great job on this one. This is a full-on going right into the ship itself. You're fully armed and equipped, and you fight Unity in its home base. It an AI with its own core, its own magical forge and connection to divinations or its divine essence. So it's basically a God and yeah, giving itself its own spells with like a technology-based, uh, demigod,
1: which, you know, <laughs> hello. Uh, uh, what is it? Um, uh, the, the techno boy in American gods. Uh, oh yeah, it's been a while since American gods has been a thing still waiting for, I'm not even sure if the final season's out, but uh, I can't wait. But in any case, uh, yeah, the idea of the Spark of the Divine, uh, the demigod level status, and AI on a ship, this is the, like, what is it, like 16th to 20th level closer.
0: Yeah, players were really uh, tested by this one, it was tough, and it was one of the ones that, well, if the players weren't ready, fortunately, they were. I mean, they they knew me and they knew how uh, important this was. They brung everything. They brung their A game, the best items. There was no holdbacks. And everybody went into it fully expecting that they were going to be facing major challenges. And so, yeah, all the things that have been saved up, they were used. Uh, they went through... Uh, one scroll, of a true resurrection, and a wish <laughs> That tells you how bad it
1: was. Yeah, uh, they did not experience the traditional, like, uh, I, I think the term we would use normally is a cakewalk. Okay, this was not a, oh, everybody gets a prize. Look under your seat. You get a prize. No, you earn your way through this. Yeah, ride. the uh,
0: devastator robots outside, these large arachnid droids with uh, chain guns, uh, killed the barbarian right at the first encounter. Mm-hmm. Whoa! So true resurrection had to be used right off. But they had a scroll. Been saving that for a rainy day. (laughs) Wise of them to do so. Uh,
1: But immensely challenging. And in terms of meta concept, uh, while we look back at the original Expedition to the Barrier Peaks as being the inspiration for this, uh, this six-module series... Has expanded upon that notion magnificently. Okay? Yeah, there's shades of Gamma World far beyond the scope of the original like material that influenced this. this
2: yeah, product this is a creation. true
0: sci fantasy adventure, and <sighs> you know a they did a, they blend. did a great job on this one. So I get it that a lot of people don't like mixing their genres, and oh, if, if, that's, you, if that's if that's your you thing and you don't like that, that, you will not like this. Okay? Yeah. Let's rip that Band-Aid
1: off and say, like, it's perfectly valid for people to not like that. Uh, I, I don't want to poo-poo anybody or, like, gatekeep anybody or tell any, dictate terms to anybody about, oh, this is the kind of game you should play. And if you don't like that kind of stuff, you're an idiot. Hey, look, you know what? If you don't like genre mashups, if you don't like science fiction, if you don't want the peanut butter in your chocolate, uh, that's okay. This is not the thing for you. However if there's an open-mindedness on this subject, I think you're going to find an enormous amount of entertainment and creativity flowing out of this. because is do, not going right? to be a
0: typical D and D campaign or Pathfinder campaign. Okay. It's, this it's is going to get trippy. It's going to, it's really going to challenge your expectations because they do a good job of mixing it up. I mean, throwing in the Lovecraftian nightmare. That is the next solo, which of course Lovecraft didn't write anything. I
1: with no I, shame whatsoever, just for the like, uh, Combo value, like I felt like I should get a combo bonus for doing this while I was reviewing this material. Uh, I played Electric Wizard. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, like fucking throw fist me, dude. oh yeah, exactly. Bam.
0: Electric Wizard, Stoner Metal, right to the T. Oh, that's yeah. right from the tip, man. That's, but Electric Wizard, how appropriate for this? Uh, uh, <laughs> slaves to Satan. Oh yeah. <coughs> that yeah, Electric Wizard. If you know who they are. Uh, you're in the no- you. You're probably smiling and nodding along with us. If you don't, look them up. Yeah, uh, you will definitely. If you like some uh, <coughs> deep stoner metal, <laughs> oh yeah, I had the headphones on for that, but uh, I felt like it was the appropriate theme. It, it is. It, man, did I not nail that? Yeah, yeah you it, did, man. That's, it is. That is what. <coughs> right along with Dungeons, man. Uh, you can listen to the. Uh, you can play Electric Wizard in the background to this, and you won't miss a beat. Nonetheless, I think that. Uh, There's not a lot of credit given because Starfinder came out a little bit afterwards. I think it stole some thunder from the Iron Gods, but I definitely think that a lot of of a lot of the uh, adventure passes they wrote this was the one that was most daring in its execution because we've talked about uh, War for the Crown, Mm -hmm. and that's a very challenging one as well.
1: Uh, And in that one, I feel like it had much more to do. Although it did not want for combat, it was much more intrigue oriented and it was very, you know, you know traditional fantasy, uh, epic empire building, you know, mm-hmm. shades of Game of Thrones. It it captured a lot of stuff that certainly
0: we liked as media and book products and film when yeah, Game of Thrones was in its but, height at then before they sabotaged themselves with that horrendous yeah. last season. But yeah, hey, let's make it extra dark so that everybody knows the start. How about putting uh, actual scenery in that other people can see because it's a visual medium? I don't know. Yeah, I, you got to have 4K TV. Sorry, I'm ranting. I know, but uh, yeah, a shower arguing with somebody who isn't in the room. But nonetheless, I will say this: that uh, as many complaints I had, I still think that the ending uh, cin- uh, cin- cinched it up pretty well. Um, but it was big at the time, so war. Of the Crown, uh, Game of Thrones was really reminiscent, but we'll also take a look at, I think, Giant Slayer 2, which was an homage to the, against the Giants. Oh, yeah. That was a pretty good one. But Yeah, uh,
1: Pathfinder hit all the big, beautiful notes. Uh, and you're right. This, this began its, you know, uh, ascent as they were preparing for the arrival of Starfinder. And this makes a perfect, you know,
0: uh, a transition, kind of. A little, you know, it's
1: like little opener. opener.
0: Yeah, kind of like that uh, whole thing with um, Expedition of Barrier Peaks before Gaming World 2nd Edition got its full.
1: Yeah, uh, very, very carefully thought out and skillfully rendered. I, uh, and if you're moving into a Starfinder phase, uh, you know, this is probably like the best way to like, let's do the fantasy sci-fi split combo and then phase into a Starfinder campaign. What
0: a perfect segue it would make. But uh, I think that'll do it for us. Uh, We didn't want to take this one too long. Yeah, because owed to the amount of material... uh, We'd be here for three episodes, man. yeah, Yeah, we
1: gave this the full, like... There's a lot of meat on the bone here, okay? This... Yeah, the NP.
0: What I liked is the NPCs weren't here to mess you up as they usually are in a lot of uh, traditional games. No, uh, usually there's at least uh, you know one and or two
1: significant villains, and then a handful of NPCs that are extremely relevant, uh, that are helpful, uh, benign, and downright you know essential.
0: Yeah, you get a lot of good helpers on, and uh, uh, people for retainers and hench peeps, and that's yeah, what ended up happening is they brought in the whole game. Yeah, they brought. They brought the whole squad. Yeah, because I'd let them level up along with them at certain points in time, even at absentia. Like if they gain two levels, then these NPCs would gain a level. If they were directly with them, they'd get a share of the XP, and then that would be done. But nonetheless, um, winding up, I think this is a good point to finally bring it all full circle. This is the culmination of years of that mixing of genres from Temple of the Frog in the original Blackmore. All the way through uh, Metamorphosis Alpha Gamma World and Expedition to very Peaks, and here we are. Yeah, that and uh, a brief mention to Night of the Comet. Uh, somebody bring that up. Oh, oh my god. that was a, a nice one of Techno Fantasy as well. We're gonna have to look that one back up, but uh, that's a PDF delve because I do not have that box set anymore. And uh, so yeah, but if we find one, we'll grab onto it. But we will visit Night of the Comet, and uh, that'll be an addendum to this one. So. But uh, yeah, put a ribbon on it and call it done. I think uh, this is a very ambitious project and it was well executed and well thought out. So kudos to the pa- uh, Paizo team that put this together and delivered it. Uh, this is good <laughs> what, stuff. What a like masterpiece. Uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> seriously. So much meat on the bone. We, couldn't, we could not handle a, a total proper pick apart. So we had to go with a meta narrative that at least gives people a suitable window, 600 pages of just material. I mean, (sighs) yeah, not to mention the tech manual, which I'm so very glad I forgot to include that. Uh, and you're right. That is an essential component
0: that the, you know, technology manual, uh, technology guide for this. It came out about the same time. There's also a couple of books on the, uh, uh, Numeria campaign setting. Uh, that would be useful. But they give you enough to go on in this one. So I don't think it is essential as a technology. Okay. No. But putting right. put a pen put in this, we're done. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening. And of course, putting up with uh, some of the fracas that has been generated around the uh, gaming community of late. I think that it's finally putting this business to bed. And thanks to all our supporters out there. We love you. And to Gilbert Swords, once again, uh, we need you to get a hold of us. Uh, sir, uh, we have no address to send your prize to. So, if you yes. do not hear to you, from you by next podcast, this isn't a threat, uh, we're going to have to uh, make another drawing. So, Yep, we will move to our next drawing. Alright, so Gilbert Soros, if you're in the sound of our voice, please respond. Just get a hold of us on our Facebook page. And if you're not using Facebook, uh, uh, just try to send me a DM by messenger if you can. All right. Or just leave a message on our voicemail. We'll get it to you here. But all right. I think that'll do it for us. And until next time, may the dice always, always roll in your, your favor.
1: favor. We're out. See ya.